1: Guys, the cat is finally out of the bag, or shall I say the cats are out of the bags. (laughs) Kunal, after days of rumors and so much speculation, Ferrari, Sauber, Kimi Raikkonen and Charles the clerk have finally made their announcements.
0: Yes guys, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. But this is already our second episode this week, so you guys are welcome. But Mithila, forget everything else. As a Kimi Raikkonen fan, are you happy or not?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, Kunal, I am just thrilled because I was so, uh, you know, I was so scared that he was going to leave Formula One, honestly. (laughs) He's done it before, he can do it again. And, uh, you know, when Raikkonen actually was confirmed that he's leaving Ferrari, I was distraught for those few minutes in the middle and then, thankfully, he announced his move to Sauber a few minutes later and I was so relieved, you know.
0: (laughs) Yes, you know, Kimi, you left us for a few minutes and that created havoc for a lot of fans. So please do not ever do this again. And <laughs> this means please do not ever leave us again.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, way, Kunal, that fan petition we spoke about for Ferrari to re-sign Kimi Raikkonen, that's still going on.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, so before we continue, here's a quick reminder to subscribe to the Inside Line F1 podcast on Hubhopper, India's very own podcast app. And Hubhopper has a really large di- directory of shows and unique stories across a variety of genres. So it is H-U-B-H-O-P-P-E-R and it's available for download on the Google Play and the iTunes stores.
1: Yes, guys, Hubhopper is definitely a good recommendation. Go download it. If you like the app, review it, share it with your friends. you all know the drill.
0: <laughs> so in this week's episode, again this week, but anyway, in this episode... Uh, We are going to speak to Charles Leclerc, right? We spoke to him last month, it was in August, and we actually had a a bit of a feeling that he could move to Ferrari sooner than everyone else imagined for him to actually do so. And a lot of our questions were Ferrari and Sebastian Vettel-focused and specific.
1: Yes, I think we were literally waiting for this day when we have the Ferrari announcement, to play parts of this interview for you guys.
0: Yes, so the interview is courtesy of Viasport, the host broadcaster for Formula One in Norway. And of course, Maria and Mia, the lovely ladies that manage the press office at Sauber.
1: Yes, Maria and Mia, thank you. And I think your life is only going to get more busy now with Kimi Raikkonen around. <laughs> yes, guys, brace for it. And uh, also in this episode, we have the moments in time um, section by Lucien. So, guys, there's a lot to look forward to in this show. So, please stay tuned. Kunal, uh, do you think Ferrari has done the right thing?
0: So, when you ask the right thing, do you mean letting go of Kimi Raikkonen or hiring of Charles Leclerc?
1: (laughs) Okay, I'm going to start with Kimi Raikkonen. So, I'd say letting go of Kimi Raikkonen.
0: Well, frankly, when you think of uh, Ferrari letting go of Kimi Raikkonen, uh, I think they've done the right thing by relieving him of his duties and... uh, I'm a Raikkonen fan. I'm a fan of the driver because I've seen how and what he can do in the car. And, of course, I'm a big fan of the personality like you are as well. But I think Raikkonen uh, has been a bit over the cliff, especially for a top-seat drive like Ferrari since the last few seasons. So, it only made sense to me. And, uh, you know, this high-profile and unexpected swap between uh, Charles Leclerc and Kimi Raikkonen. Isn't necessarily due to Raikkonen's performances alone. It is also due to uh, Charles Leclerc's impressive talent and, of course, Sebastian Vettel's championship performances.
1: Yeah, and now apart from Mercedes, every other team on the grid literally has a changed lineup for 2019. Uh, Pierre Gasly gets his due in Red Bull Racing, and now Charles Leclerc will get his due at Ferrari. And obviously, uh, we don't know about Haas yet, but yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's unfortunate to see Esteban Ocon miss out yet. And I was really moved when I read his Twitter post, or I don't know if it was an Instagram post, but either way, I wouldn't actually be surprised if Liberty Media had some role to play to ensure that Charles Leclerc gets like this never done before by ferrari kind of a promotion. and. After all, you know, Liberty Media is into hero building. That's that's a term that's used very frequently in sports broadcast. And uh, also, as we know, they're trying to attract, uh, you know, younger audiences. So all of this could be some sort of a ploy towards those strategies as well.
1: Yeah, but we also know of Kimi Raikkonen's appeal with the kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course, you know, but again, I'm only guessing about Liberty Media's involvement because that's like a very Bernie thing to do. And uh, that said, Charles Leclerc's promotion at Ferrari also indicates a very crucial change of attitude at Ferrari. You know, they are supporting Sebastian Vettel's challenge, but now they also feel the need to groom Leclerc for the future because Red Bull is doing that with Verstappen and Mercedes is also doing that with Ocon. So... Thank you, Ferrari, for opening your eyes finally, something of that sort.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I also think that uh, Leclerc's arrival will really put pressure on Vettel. And we honestly have only one season as an example, but we know very well how Sebastian Vettel responds to in-team challenges.
0: And of course, I wouldn't be surprised if Charles Leclerc is actually permitted to challenge Sebastian Vettel because... That's what Ferrari would like to see him do as well. I mean, that's why they're hiring him, right? I mean, if they wanted somebody to not challenge Vettel, they'd have kept (laughs) Räikkönen. But uh, also with both these drivers, you know, Ferrari will have to cater to their different mindsets. So, Vettel, as we already know, is a quadruple world champion. He is out to win his uh, first title with Ferrari, while uh, Charles Leclerc is joining Ferrari to battle with the likes of Max Verstappen as an equal and to claim his first Drivers' Championship title as well.
1: Yes, yeah, so guys, I heard the conversation slash interview between Kunal and Charles the Club. And I can tell you that most of these points have been talked about and it's damn interesting. So please, guys, you all have to listen to this. Uh, but Kunal, you know, the other th- interesting thing that you asked him was about handling the pressure of racing for Ferrari. And I really loved how he pointed out uh, to his mental training program. Very interesting.
0: Unlike, say, uh, Max Verstappen, who thinks that a sports psychologist isn't really needed. And mind you, we're not taking sides out here. We're just pointing out how uh, our future championship contenders in Formula 1 come with different, you know, trains of thought on how to handle pressure at the top.
1: And obviously, then there was also Jacques Villeneuve's statement, uh, about what if Vettel eats up Leclerc in the Ferrari atmosphere. <laughs> Interesting choice of words, no?
0: Yeah, and I think that's always going to be a concern for all of us. But I would assume that Ferrari will be out to protect Leclerc because they know that in Leclerc's progress, there is actually progress for Ferrari in the future.
1: Okay, guys, just some quick point before we play out Kunal's conversation with Leclerc. Uh, so, the leclerc and swap could potentially mean that Haas's headache of choosing between Magnuson and Grosjean is put off for another year. So, basically, Grosjean has another year to save his ass.
0: Yes. Yes, I would assume that Grosjean's seat is safe for another year.
1: And I think that also means that Grosjean's plans of turning chef, as he told us in the interview, are delayed <laughs> <laughs> for now. I mean, you know, if I were Romain Grosjean... I would never talk of quitting formula one because honestly there are just so many other people talking of Grosjean's exit from formula one <laughs> that it's just so funny that Grosjean himself talks about it you know yeah
0: maybe he just feels secure in a very weird sense yeah. of way and maybe we don't but for him in that case but uh so here's my discussion with Leclerc from a few weeks ago clearly the deals were uh, still being put in place back then uh and uh, nothing was announced or was certain but let's have you guys hear what I got to speak to Leclerc all about right so you were always at the center of the 2018 city season you know there were rumors that Charles would go to Ferrari etc
2: etc when are you going to make your announcement ah uh, I wish I could uh, reply that question Uh, but to be honest yeah for now I have no proper answers Um, obviously there has been no talks for now, uh, I just came back from holidays where I relaxed for a bit in, in Bali and, uh, and did not speak about motorsports at all, well. so now we are coming, to, coming back to business, uh, yeah, uh, we will speak, we will we'll see and, uh, and I hope to, to let you know as soon as possible, but for now unfortunately I have nothing to, uh, to give you. But are you really trying to say that Charles Leclerc does not know where he's going to
0: race in 2019? Or do,
2: you, or do you know and you don't want to tell? No, no, that's exactly... I mean, I, I'm honest. I, I really don't know where, where I'm going to race. Uh, I, I should be in the Formula 1 paddock. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really hope so. Uh, that would be a very bad surprise. But uh, to know where exactly uh, in the Formula 1 paddock, this, I, I have no idea. That's kind of you. So, there are about 12 cockpits that still remain for
0: 2019 and you, I'm sure you've kept a track of the shuffle. I mean, we didn't really have a break because other drivers made announcements during yeah. the break. But out of these 12 cockpits, if you could just choose any. Okay, which one would it be?
2: <laughs> if I really if I was the one to choose I would, I, I, I can't lie. I would choose the red one. Uh, <laughs> Ferrari I mean since uh, since I am since I've started in in motorsport, I've always dreamed of being one day uh, a Formula One driver, and even more a Ferrari driver. I've always been a huge fan of the Scuderia. So uh, yeah, if I had one one seat to choose, it would be this one. <laughs> and then, who would you choose as a teammate then? Ah, to be honest, uh, anybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have no preference at all. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, if I'm in the red seat, then it's uh, it's all fine. <laughs> So Sebastian Vettel of Gus said that you need to be patient
0: for your drive at Ferrari, what do you make of that comment? Is Vettel trying to say something to you? or How, how did you react to that?
2: Well, I mean, uh, I, Seb has always spoke uh, about me in a very uh, nice manner and always said very positive things about me and this is always uh, a honour for me to, to hear that from, from, from such a driver. Um, then, yeah, obviously he said that I can take my time, which is completely right because I am, uh, I am only 20 years old for now, which is, uh, which is pretty young. And uh, yeah, I only have to agree with that. Yeah. But Jack Wilner then said that Vettel would eat you
0: up alive in Ferrari and that's why Ferrari might not give you a promotion this
2: early. So do you think you can handle driving for a big racing team alongside a superstar <laughs> if that chance would come? Well, I mean, I think for me it can only be positive uh, to drive with such a driver next to me. I can only learn from from Seb, and uh, and it can only be good for me, uh, for my um, yeah, for my knowledge, and, and to just know how how uh, a big team and how Seb is working with them, and uh, I can only learn a thing from him. So uh, yeah, uh, then in terms of performance, I mean, it's impossible to to know anything because we have never been teammates and never been in the same car so it's always difficult to uh, to say anything about this but uh, yeah as I said I think I, I will learn a lot from him. Yeah. So since you mentioned the word performance let's come to 2018 and your stellar drives that you had with
0: Sauber it's been a phenomenal debut you heard everyone say it you don't just need me to say it so if you were to describe your season with Sauber in one word what would that word be?
2: Uh, progression probably Uh, I mean we've we've started the season where I was struggling to go uh, in Q2 and uh, to be honest I was I had a very poor pace in in qualifying not because of the car, because of myself only Uh, I worked quite hard obviously, uh, very hard I would say Uh, and then in, in Baku uh, finally, I understood uh, a lot of things: uh, how the car works, how it has to be driven, and we really did a big step forward. And then, since uh, since then, we we really improved uh, races after races, going into Q3, scoring points at uh, most of the races when we were not DNF. Uh, so it has been, yeah, uh, a very good season, and that's definitely why it was actually over my uh, my expectations uh, for for this year. Right. And, uh, you know, we've seen Sauber have phenomenal debutants like Philippe
0: Massa was there and Kimi Räikkönen and, uh, and now yourself. So what is the one big thing that you've learned in your really short but seemingly very successful time at Sauber?
2: Well, uh, I have learned so much that it's difficult to pick one of those things. Uh, but, yeah, I think Sauber is extremely good at, uh, at knowing what I what are the things you need to really focus on once you are a rookie uh, you come from Formula 2 or GP2 in the past where things are very different uh, they are not as pushed as in Formula 1 and it's, and more the years uh, passes uh, bigger the differences because bigger the systems are in Formula 1 and com- more complex they are so there are a lot of things to learn and, and they definitely know uh, how to tell to the driver where, where to focus uh, on the main important points and that has been uh, the key for this year, I think, for me, uh, that I focused on the right ar- areas, and, and they were here to, to help me for that. Perfect. And your and the last question: you mentioned you're 20 years old, and you know you're you're still young. But how are you dealing with all this fame and adulation that's coming your way? I mean. Uh... I don't know. Uh, fame for now, it's actually quite fine. Uh, I'm not so famous yet, so... Do you get mobbed on the streets <laughs> at times? Ah, well, yeah, in Monaco, but uh, <laughs> it's not like I'm a superstar, so uh, this is fine, but then obviously there are a lot, there's a lot of pressure. Uh, but for me, you don't get better at handling the pressure once you are 30 years old than once you are 20, or, or you are good at it, or, or you can't handle it. And uh, for me, it's an error for the people to think that with the with the age, you get better at this. Uh, you can definitely get better at, at other things, but if you handle the pressure, once you arrive in Formula One, you you will handle the, the, the pressure anywhere. Uh, I think my my mental strength has been a has been a, my weak point ten years ago, uh, but I've worked extremely hard on it, and obviously with the. Uh, Events uh, that, uh, unfortunately, I have had to suffer in the last two years. It has made me grown a lot, uh, and I think now that my mental strength is actually my uh, uh, my biggest strength, uh, wow. which is uh, which is I think very important for for Formula One and. Uh, and I believe that if you don't have this mental strength, you can't really succeed. Because with all the, the pressure you have around you, uh, if you are not strong mentally, uh, it's quite easy to uh, to fall down.
0: Right. So since you mentioned you worked on it, any specific ways in which you worked on building a mental strength? Did you work with a sports psychologist or something? Yeah,
2: exactly. I mean, uh, I was in Formula Medicine very, very early. That has learned me many things. Uh, it's quite difficult to go into details because it's quite pushed. Uh, but then also with the Ferrari Drivers Academy. Uh, they are working a lot on the on the on the mental side, and that has uh, helped me massively. So uh, yeah, with uh, we with both of these uh, programs, I've managed to have uh, managed to grow a lot. Perfect, Charles. Thank you very much. Cheers no problem. You becoming a superstar and
1: Kunal, very interesting conversation. And you know, the red car is what he wanted, and the red car is what he'll have next year. It's such a dream come true. Yeah.
0: Yes, and. Uh, You know, Leclerc was quick to thank Jules Bianchi and his father for their support. But I also now wonder how Sebastian Vettel feels about Leclerc's promotion, especially when Vettel said just a few weeks back that Leclerc needs to be more patient or needs to be patient for his Ferrari drive.
1: I really like the word progression. You know, that's well selected as always. Uh, Thank you, guys. Thank you, Sundaram. Thank you, Lucien. Ajit, Leigh, and Graham for your interview uh, inputs. They were really helpful.
0: Absolutely. We love asking questions from the community. And uh, uh, up next now is Lucien's Moments in Time section. And as you guys already know, Lucien is an avid listener of our show. He is a professional musician himself, a big Formula One fan. And you can actually listen to his music on Bandcamp.
3: Welcome to Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. Today we discuss the Singapore Grand Prix. The inaugural Singapore Grand Prix in 2008 was the first ever night race in Formula 1 history, and one concern, given the use of lights, was the possible dilemma of vision in the event of rain, something we wouldn't see for a very long time. With the concept of any publicity is good publicity, the first race was marred by Crashgate, where we saw Nelson Piquet Jr deliberately crash, ensuring Alonso had a chance to win. My most vivid memory of that weekend was seeing Alonso's frustration when he broke down in qualifying. He had not won since leaving McLaren, and he clearly fancied his chances that weekend. I won't relate what we all should know, but I do not believe for a minute that Fernando was out of the loop regarding the Piquet decision. One thing I have never agreed with though, is how Felipe Massa blamed this race for costing him the championship, blaming Piquet. Uh, sorry Felipe, little Felipe, it was your team not handling pressure leaving the fuel hose in your car as you drove off. Uh, I think Hungary cost you the title, or maybe your terrible drive in the UK. Michael Schumacher twice tested his old age and reflexes on this track. In three attempts he was engaged in two devastating accidents, clearly proving he had lost his edge, rear ending other drivers in spectacular crashes. As with many of his moves in his career, he was lucky he didn't kill someone or himself. 2009 saw Timo Glock get one of his best ever results in the ever-promising Toyota, his second place. Oh, so close! Hamilton won, and Fernando came third, proving that this was a track he was good at. 2010 saw some amazing footage with Heike Kovalainen grabbing a fire extinguisher and trying to put out his on-fire Lotus that he had conveniently parked on the straight. Fernando won again, this time in a Ferrari, and it was a killer race between him and Vettel. But seeing Weber strong arm Hamilton and come off best was the highlight for me. 2012 saw the incredible Pastor Maldonado qualify second on the grid, but it was all about Vettel for three years in a row. 2013. Like many of the years at this track, it was a bit boring, but the highlight was seeing Mark Webber get picked up by Alonso at the end. Great footage, but it cost him a fine. 2014 saw a ban on radio communications, and we saw Nico Rosberg need them as he had start line gremlins costing him a shot at the 25 points. Letting Hamilton win and close up the championship, which had been looking good for Nico. Nico never made a big deal about this, and he never did when he had reliability issues, unlike his high profile teammate. 2015 saw Sebastian Vettel win for the fourth time, but this time in a Ferrari, with Mercedes having a strange off form weekend. But the race is remembered for a spectator walking on the track, bringing out a safety car. 2016 gave us one of the best finishes, with Ricciardo almost getting an on form Nico Rosberg. This was one of the truly great drives from Rosberg, in what turned out to be his championship winning and final season. 2017 is remembered for all the wrong reasons too, with a race promising so much, with Hamilton a bit down on the grid, but carnage at the front, where Vettel, Kimi and Max all came together, collecting Fernando too, all allowed Lewis one of his many lucky and easily unchallenged wins. But we had a wet race for the first time, and there were no issues with visibility. Although Vettel on pole really didn't use his mirrors. That's it for moments in time on the inside line with Lucien Bart. Catch you again.
1: Thank you, Lucien. And could I just some quick closing notes? I have to ask you what your predictions are for Singapore.
0: Well, I think both the Ferraris will finish ahead of Lewis Hamilton. This will spice up the championship battle because we, you know, we keep talking of uh, the battle all the time. It's thirty points and. I have a feeling it's going to swing another way. But this time, I don't think I can say which Ferrari will finish ahead of which. Because clearly, I don't like really see Kimi Räikkönen necessarily listening to team orders.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to have a rebel on track. And, you know, but I think I'm going to go with a similar prediction. Uh, Maybe with Vettel finishing ahead of Raikkonen. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know anything anymore, you know. But, you know, guys, I know this has been a long but really interesting episode. So we're just going to leave out the What Toro World Said This Week section for a little later because this is all about... Ferrari and Räikkönen,
0: I think. <laughs> and Leclerc and Sauber. and I so. <laughs> But, you know, we actually played out your What Toto Wolf Said This Week section in our episode from what three days ago. So, technically, you're safe for this week.
1: I'll let Mr. Wolf know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> On that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we are going to have a lot more content for you in the week after Singapore. So, remember to tune back in. Adios.